Hello, this is Kumbasike, this is Connor, and this is episode 63. Today I'm talking to Adrian Dorn. Adrian is initially from France, currently living in Saigon, Vietnam, as a hypnotherapist. How are you, Adrian? I'm fine, and you, Connor? Yeah, thank you for coming on today. This is a topic that I'm very interested in, so it's great to have you to share your experience. I My really pleasure. appreciate it. So then let's talk a bit about your background then. Um, you're from France. What was life like growing up? So, well, I grew up in France uh, near a big city, but not like near, it was near Lille. Sure. Uh, if you're familiar with France, it's in the north of France. And um, so it was quite a, a quiet neighborhood, uh, very um, normal life, kind of. Just my father is Vietnamese and my mother is French. So um, maybe um, I grew up a little, um, feeling a little um, different from uh, the other kids uh, who are mainly just white. <laughs> yeah, sure. And so then that was your early years. How did hypnotherapy all come about for you? So hypno- hypnotherapy was, uh, it was like, you know, I didn't just go into hypnotherapy. It's um, something I discovered when I was uh, in, um, in university. And I was studying um, education science, and I was very interested in how the brain works. I was also studying uh, shiatsu massage at the time, more, more or less uh, as, um, as just for fun. But it, I, it was something I was interested in. And in the library of the university, there was a big book and it was written hypnosis on it. And so I started reading the book. I started to to learn also how to do self-hypnosis and then after university I decided that I wouldn't continue to go into the field of education I was preparing to be a teacher but I, I, I completely stopped that because I wanted to be more um, aligned with my dreams and goals and so I started doing some acting doing some uh, acting workshops I moved to Paris I started taking some lessons, but I was still thinking about hypnosis and uh, I, I was going to some conferences where the, um, the speaker would, would make, make a parallel between uh, theater and hypnosis because when you go to the theater or when you go to a movie, you really go into a state of hypnosis. You begin to believe that what you see on the screen or what you see um, on the stage is true so you begin to 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 be into that state of hypnosis so I, I wanted to explore the state of hypnosis as also as a tool for actors I see what you mean yeah and then this might strip it down in a way for anybody who is unfamiliar or is unsure on the definition what is hypnosis what is hypnotherapy so Hypnosis is, um, is a state of the mind. It's um, a state of the consciousness that we access when we change how we naturally function. So most of the time it happens when we, for example, naturally when we begin to fall asleep, we go into a state of consciousness where the brain can absorb more information or it can uh, rearrange the information in the brain. And that's also what is hypnosis. Hypnosis is a way to 
kind of allow us to learn without the intervention of the critical factor. So to, to go into the hypnosis, you need to kind of um, yeah, bypass the critical factor, this part of us that says, oh, this is true, this is not true, this is uh, something I, I, I've already learned, this is uh, bullshit and all that, which is important in everyday life, of course. But when we want to learn something new and change and change the behaviors, we need also to be able to absorb without this critical factor because the critical factor is using what we already know in order to, to decide if something is true or not. So if, we, if what we know hasn't helped us, we need to go to a different state of consciousness. And I think it's Einstein the one we like to quote in the podcast. And he said that in order to solve the problem, you need to be in a state of consciousness that is different from the one that created the problem. Mm. So hypnosis is a way to go into that different state of consciousness. Okay. And it involves focus and it also involves inv imagination it also involves um, being aware of different sensations. So there are different states of hypnosis. And um, sometimes, for example, when you're driving, maybe when some people are driving a car and things like that, and you are kind of in your own mind, you're kind of within your own ideas, but there is some kind of an automatic system that is driving for you. You're you're aware that you're driving but at some some point you arrive you arrive somewhere and you're like oh i'm already there yeah or maybe you are oh i'm there but that's not where i'm supposed to be <laughs> yeah that's also happens yeah i believe that i'm not sure if this figure is entirely correct 95 percent of our actions are controlled by the subconscious mind there is at least a substantial uh, yeah a substantial part yes i don't know if it's 99 or it's difficult to evaluate but of course yeah a, a lot of what we do is actually controlled by the subconscious mind yeah sure and so then when you were practicing hypnosis at the earliest point so say at university what kind of things did you do with hypnosis in your early years in getting to a point that you are now for example did you start practicing it on yourself on others was there an area of your life you looked to improve that you used hypnosis for what was that all about so uh, I use it for myself to to be able to feel more calm or to uh, to be able to feel more confident um, I would use it also on some on, on other people but it was more like a little play just a thing with the hands moving being guided by the subconscious mind and allowing this different state of mind to happen and also I was using it, I can remember that I, I would be using it um, when, my, uh, when I was stressed by a, a scene that I would have to do in my acting class or something like that. And I would rehearse the scene um, and rehearse the, um, the feeling that I wanted to, to have after the scene uh, with hypnosis. Mm feeling relaxed or feeling that I did my best or things like that. So yeah, that's how I, 
I started to implement hypnosis and self-hypnosis in my life. Okay, I see. And then how did you get to a point where you moved from France to Vietnam? So I, was, uh, so I did a training, a full-time training in hypnosis. And then I, I, I become a, a hypnotherapist. And I was starting to get some clients in, uh, in France, but not too many. So it was still um, fine for me to just leave. And I wanted to, to, to live in Vietnam because I, I thought that I have a cultural by, background from Vietnam. And I wanted to, to spend more time here. And my girlfriend at that time was uh, also just starting as a lawyer. So we thought that it was the right time to move here and we planned to stay here for two years and to just try this different life before we go back to France and continue and, and continue all that. Okay, cool. So then do you mind telling me about your hypnotherapy practice then here in Vietnam and what's happened in France? What sort of things do you do? What do you help clients with mainly? Mm-hmm. So, hypnosis is well known for uh, helping people to quit smoking, for example. So I have a lot of people asking me to help them quit smoking. And here in Vietnam, I also encountered some people who were uh, um, addicted somehow to some some drugs. Um, not too many, but some of them asked for my help, and. If I can help with that, I can do it. But most of the time, uh, if someone has drug abuse and all that, it's important, of course, to also work with doctors. I I always uh, ask them to also work with doctors. But also some people were asking me to help them to to stop alcohol, for example. And that's something that I found really interesting, that some people could be drinking maybe 10, 12 beers a day, and after one session, they would almost completely stop. And they were also surprised by the result, and I was as surprised as, as they were. And uh, that, so that's something that I, I discovered here in Vietnam. Sure. And uh, also some people with uh, depression or who struggle in their, uh, their life or also in their uh, emotional life, things like that. Yeah, okay, I see. I mean, this might be tricky to answer, but for example, if you have somebody who comes to you with an alcohol problem, so to speak, mm. and then they've been able to almost stop altogether, what do you think it is in that session that helps them, I don't know, identify the cause of their drinking or that helps them maybe realize their problem? What do you think it is that takes place that causes them to stop? Well, first, I think that if they come to me that because they are motivated to stop so they really want to stop and they've decided that they they will stop and then during the session we do an exercise that I really like that also works for a craving of food and, and things like that that is very effective because I show them that they actually have a control over this impulse of drinking this desire to drink most of them um, they drink beer because they have this habit of drinking a beer after work and then they stay at the bar and or they, they keep going to the fridge to take more beers and um, so I asked them to form this mental picture 
of their favorite drink and to rate the desire that they have on the scale of 0 to 10. So most of the time it's around 7. And then I ask them to change the image to make this desire even stronger. So maybe they imagine that uh, the foam on the, on the beer is perfect, that there is, is a, um, the color of the beer is beautiful, the, the, you can find that the glass is the perfect temperature and all that. So it, it increases the desire, this desire. So and they can feel it. And so if they can feel that they have power over their desire of drinking, then I can ask them to lower the desire, to imagine that the, the foam is bad, or maybe that it's getting hot, the, the beer is getting hot, or there's not as much bubbles. And finally, I ask them to imagine what, what can they change to feel that it's a desire of three or four, maybe on a scale of zero to 10. And even to the point where they get disgusted by the beer, by this image of the beer. And so they learn that very quickly, they can change this desire for the beer. And so when they decide that they're not going to drink, they can really quickly imagine this beer that they wouldn't drink, this beer that disgusts them. And so they don't feel the desire anymore. Because the desire is created in their own mind, in their imagination. It's how they imagine the beer that creates this desire to drink the beer. Because the beer, most of the time, is just a can in the fridge. And <laughs> it's not very, very attractive. But maybe because of some advertisement or, or, uh, or because of some experiences when they had a, a good beer, yeah. they believe that this pleasure is associated with the beer when the pleasure of the desire is actually associated with the image that they have. Yeah, okay, or the memory. Yeah. Do you think this yeah. could be used in maybe helping trauma or past negative experience? Because, for example, a lot of events could be fairly neutral, but it's the image and the emotion you associate with it which causes yeah. the pain. Yes. So is that the whole practice with hypnosis? Of, Is there any techniques of blocking out emotional pain? Yes, exactly. So uh, hypnosis as we do in hypnotherapy is really different from hypnosis that we do when we do stage shows. You know, in my practice, I don't have power over my client. I, I don't have a, a authority of, on my client and they don't obey to, to me. I just show them different ways to think and different ways to use their mind and their, uh, their brain. And so, for example, for some traumas or from, for some negative memories, we also have this image in our head, in our mind, in our memory. And so we can change, for example, um, a positive memory, if you imagine it being black and white, being very blurry and all that, you will think about it, you will, you will say, say maybe, yes, it was nice, but you won't feel it. But if you make this positive memory, you take it, you make it bigger, you make it colorful, you make it very uh, full of life as if you're there again and even better than when you were there. The colors are perfect. You can change all that in your brain in just seconds. And so then you will begin to really feel it. And the same thing happens with 
negative memories. If you imagine a negative memory and you make it big, you make it strong, colorful, you can hear the sounds completely, then it's stronger. Whereas when you make it a small picture, a small black and white picture that you imagine that you put that behind you, then you feel already uh, a relief. Yeah. But for, uh, and I had some, some um, clients coming for, for uh, traumas, and I also use a technique based on EMDR. So it's uh, eye, move, eye movement and desensitization and reprocessing. Okay. So it's a way to activate the brain through eye movements and also through tapping on the knees or sounds um, in the ears that allows the brain to do this process naturally instead of guiding the process and telling the people to just uh, imagine it black and white and all that. I just do some tapping on the knees, I, I do some uh, snapping in the, on the fingers uh, in their ears and I also help them to identify the belief that is associated with the emotion and with this event. Most of the time there is a very negative belief that we form about ourselves that we are a bad person or that we are in danger or things like that. And so with this process, they begin to learn that they can change. They begin to learn that they can have different beliefs. And naturally, this image also begins to change. I see. So I had some people telling me that the image was changing, like it was becoming smaller and smaller, or even that they were imagining things in a different, uh, different way. How long would they... EDMR is uh, how long would that practice or that technique take? EMDR. EMDR. Yes. Sorry. So it takes about so for one session because we need to identify the the event, we need to identify the emotion and the belief, and those three things are linked together. So. It takes about maybe 40, 40 minutes to just identify all the ingredients that we're going to use. And then after that, the, the actual process of EMDR just takes maybe um, 20 minutes. We're going to do some quick um, set of uh, tapping on the knees and I do some snapping on my fingers left and right. Sometimes I use a, I use a finger to, to guide their eyes to follow my finger left and right. And then after that, we do that for maybe one or two minutes. And then we talk a little, what happened? So did it change? Um, did you find a different belief? Um, what happened to the image? Maybe you had a different image coming up. And then we do that again. And we do that maybe four or five times until the person can say, okay, now I feel the relief, I feel that, uh, I feel really relieved. So, of course, it depends. Some people have more traumatic experience. So, there's not just one traumatic experience, but there can be several. Of course. And so, we need different sessions for each of them. I see what you mean. And then, that leads me to the, the next question, where you mentioned the finger... There's a lot of misconceptions about hypnosis. For example, can you make, can anybody be hypnotized? Do you think 
that is true or do you need to be willing in order to be so the practice? I think that hypnosis is a is an ability that everyone has. So everyone can be hypnotized because everyone can go into the state of hypnosis. Um, we can differentiate the state of, we can say hypnosis, sometimes we say the state of hypnosis, we can also call it trance. So trance is a natural state and we naturally go into different states. Hypnosis uses suggestion to create a state of trance. So we will use suggestion like you're going into hypnosis, you're going into trance, things like that. Sure. And so some people will want to resist to that. So some people can resist to hypnosis. Some people will be willing to really experience it fully and they will be easily hypnotized. And most of the people are somewhere in between. So I think that anyone can be hypnotized, but some people more easily than others. Yes. So you mean, do you think there are any main misconceptions about hypnotherapy and the entire practice as a whole? Yes, I think there's a lot. Um, for example, many people think that hypnosis is a state of unconsciousness that they will not be conscious of anything and it's not true when you are into hypnosis you can still hear my voice you can still understand what's happening um, but you are more relaxed and you are more focused on what's happening within yourself and with your uh, the images of your imagination and all that but you can still be conscious and if you want to just uh, get out of your chair and, and get out of the room you can just do that I see so I don't have power over people that's also a, a misconception because um, hypnosis today is not like it was in the 19th century when at that time people were responding to authority much more than today uh, could be like the church authority or, or the state authority or the, the doctor's authority. And today people are, they want to find their own way. They want to, to be able to understand things by themselves. And so we use a, a way of guiding people that allows them to feel free. Because if, we, if I say, for example, now, close your eyes, go into hypnosis, now you obey to me. People will be like, no way. Yeah, because <laughs> So they won't close their eyes, they won't uh, listen. So. so if we are too direct, someone can resist. If we are more guiding, then person can decide to, to follow or, or not to follow. But I think that the people who are more, maybe more judgmental or more uh, uh, critique have more trouble going into hypnosis because they will be like, they will have thoughts like, oh, so now he's saying that or uh, so he wants me to do that, so I mean, maybe I'm not going to do that, maybe I'm going to do something else. Yeah. yeah, that's what you mean. And so then if there, if there was somebody 
interested in taking part in hypnotherapy, but was a bit reluctant or sceptical for a number of reasons. What would you say to them in going ahead and doing it? So, I would say that first, if they are open to experiment, maybe hypnosis has something to offer to them. But I would not force them to to try. I mean, some people would prefer trying different things. But if someone is just scared about hypnosis and wants to try but is not sure, I'd like to know why they're afraid uh, and what what they need to to what they need to to change, what they need to improve, what they want to to change with hypnosis. And also, I would tell them that they always have the choice. They always can decide that. And they can communicate if they don't want to to be to go into deep traumas for example or if they want to if they don't want to share something they don't have to share it um, yeah just that they are free to explore how their mind works and that they probably already do that in different ways so why not doing it with uh, hypnosis which is really specialized into understanding how this subconscious work, subconscious mind works. I see what you mean. And so then, we're coming up to, say, the final couple of questions, but before that, we've touched upon it with, say, reducing trauma or perhaps addiction. I know this might be a slightly broad question, but what are the other main benefits of a hypnotherapy practice, would you say? Uh, the main benefit, like, in general? Yeah. Yeah, well, I I think it helps to relax, to um, understand that we don't have control, that we 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 don't have control in a way that our thoughts are also controlled by our our subconscious mind, sure, and that our thoughts are creating our feelings. So if we really want to have control on our feelings we need to be able to control our thoughts and also yeah I think it helps because you know sometimes you need to do some pose you know you need to uh, allow your brain some time to process things and hypnosis just do that it helps you to go into a state where your brain can just process things for you and so it helps to also understand that sometimes you just need to stop and lose this process to happen. Okay, sure. And so then, coming up towards the end, you, um, you've obviously been doing this a while. You're going to be um, in Vietnam, say, two and a half years now. What are the aims for the future for yourself in the hypnotherapy practice? Mm-hmm. So now I will move back to France uh, next month. So uh, uh, we are going to live in Marseille, in the south of France, to, to change a little and keep the sun. And so uh, I hope to be able to open my own practice there and help people. Um, so I will still continue to help people with the main um, requests that people usually have, like weight loss, uh, smoking, uh, things like that. But I would also like to 
help people with more uh, artistic goals maybe incorporate what I've learned in the field of acting into this field of hypnosis I like to be able to use hypnosis to guide actors maybe in classes um, and also to use hypnosis for actors who struggle with uh, fears anxieties things like that and maybe also kind of create uh, a technique that would incorporate some of the acting exercises that are very helpful for actors to free themselves to be able to um, be more open more present and to use those exercises to help other people to also be more open more present more confident okay so yes and i'd like to do some workshops sure is there anywhere we can find out more about what you do on social media? So I have my Facebook page, Hypno uh, um, Saigon. Um, yeah, so just uh, writing Hypno Saigon on, on Facebook. Sure. I also have a, a website, but I think it's going to ex expire next month. Uh, okay, cool. Yes. I will include it in the bio anyway, <laughs> just in case someone clicks. Yeah, Adrian, thanks very much for coming on. This Thank is a topic you. that has interested me for a while now, as I told you before we started. And so to get further insight is very valuable to me. So thanks very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.